Welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Beyond Pain podcast, proudly brought to you by Bodylogic Physiotherapy. Before we get stuck into another episode, we just wanted to say a huge thanks to all of you amazing humans who have been listening in each week, especially to iTunes reviewer Ashley, who mentioned it was a fantastic podcast with a capital F and an explanation mark. Ashley gave us a five-star review on iTunes, which, apart from directly sending the podcast to someone, is probably the best way to help us bring evidence to more eardrums. Plus, we love hearing from you and what else you'd like to hear about, just like Ashley did when recommending a potential future topic. We hear you. So last week's episode was a broad overview of osteoarthritis. We heard from a world-leading orthopaedic surgeon, Professor Stefan Lormander from Lund University in Sweden, and then Pete and JP provided some absolute gold in the form of current evidence, common myths, and tips on managing osteoarthritis. It was a pretty long episode, and the show notes page was absolutely chock-a-block with info. In case you didn't know, each episode has its own page where we link all relevant infographics, research articles, and links that were discussed in that episode. We also post the transcript of the podcast, as well as a link to watch the episode in video format on YouTube for those that may not use podcast apps. We do this all on the quest to help make sense of science, bring evidence to your eardrums, and empower you to better health, as well as empowering clinicians to provide the best care for people in pain. This week, I'm absolutely thrilled to introduce Jennifer Pesord as our guest host, Jennifer is the Manager of Health, Education and Research Programs at Arthritis and Osteoporosis Western Australia. She's also an Advanced Scope Physiotherapist and was recently awarded the Julie Michael Memorial Prize in Leadership for Social Impact from the University of Western Australia. Great recognition for the hard work and dedication to her studies. This is the first of three shorter episodes where she has an osteoporosis Q&A with our very own Dr. J.P. Canero, who has a PhD in musculoskeletal pain and is a research fellow at Curtin University, as well as being a specialist physiotherapist. It's probably important to mention that these discussions occurred a few weeks ago during the peak of the coronavirus outbreak here in Perth, Western Australia, so please keep that in mind as certain circumstances discussed have changed. Wherever you're listening to this, we hope you're safe and healthy, and if you are able to listen to this while moving your body, then big ups to you. Again, a huge thanks to Jennifer and Arthritis and Osteoporosis Western Australia. We hope you enjoy this conversation, and remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage? Hello everyone, and welcome to this uh Q&A session. Uh, my name is Jennifer Pesord. I'm a manager at Arthritis and Osteoporosis Western Australia. We are the leading not-for-profit and charitable organisation representing consumers' needs, and that's consumers with musculoskeletal conditions, including arthritis, in Western Australia. And today I'm joined by JP Canero. Hello and welcome, JP. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. JP is Clinical Director at Body Logic Physiotherapy and he is also a specialist sports physiotherapist as awarded by the Australian, Australian College of Physiotherapy in 2013. 
And the reason that we're having this Q&A that is dedicated to osteoarthritis of the knee is because we were due to have a seminar and that was cancelled because of COVID, because of the face-to-face -face contact. But also we've received quite a lot of phone calls from consumers um, and also health professionals who have concerns about how to manage patients with OANE now that many of those elective procedures and outpatient clinics in the public hospitals have stopped because of COVID-19. So it's a really opportune moment to be able to speak to somebody of expertise in this area and to try and get some, um, some really good sensible tips out to consumers and also to health professionals who are trying to navigate this space on a background of COVID-19. So welcome, JP. Thank you so much um, for having me, Jennifer. <laughs> you're very welcome. Now, I just thought we might start off with you giving us a very brief overview uh, of what osteoarthritis of the knee actually is. Sure. So osteoarthritis is basically a, a, an inflammation of the joint. So it's a, a joint response uh, in which you have an inflammatory process. They alter the structure of the joint. Uh, so when you look at the, at the structure of the knee, for example, the, um, the cartilage of the knee will change in response to these inflammatory changes. And the changes are not only on the cartilage, but also um, on the soft tissue uh, that involves the, cartilage, uh, the, the joint itself. Um, and these changes, they can uh, alter in severity. So uh, some people may have um, lower level changes and other people may have higher grade changes. Uh, and these are visible on a, on a plain X-ray. Um, and these structures, they can become sensitized. And probably the word can is really important here because it's not everyone that will develop pain as a consequence of having outer changes in their, in their bone structure. Uh, in terms of uh, the, what characterizes osteoarthritis is that you, you can have these changes, but you can also develop pain and functional limitation as a consequence of that. So a person with knee away would be considered someone that has um, radiological changes, so changes in a scan, but also that develop pain in the knee that leads to uh, functional limitation, plus or minus uh, joint stiffness in the, you know, in the early hours of the morning. Thank you for that. Now you mentioned some um, imaging studies that are helpful in the diagnostic side of um, osteoarthritis for me, but there are also some other components around that. So is a scan or an X-ray by itself uh, useful in making a diagnosis of OANE? Uh, no, the short answer is, uh, is no. Um, the the X-ray, which would be the, the most commonly used um, uh, diagnostic tool or imaging uh, for people with knee OA, it, it just tells us about the, how the joint looks. Uh, but the diagnosis of OA is a clinical one. So that means that a clinical assessment is, the, is imperative. And if we look at the international guidelines, in fact, they say that um, if the person presents pain and functional limitation <clears throat> and they are over the age of 40, uh, plus or minus stiffness in the morning, uh, they can be diagnosed as having a NEOA. So you don't need a scan. In fact, uh, when you look at the, at the use of scans for diagnosing um, NEOA, it, it can actually lead to a, a, an escalation of care and it can lead to a, a overuse of, um, of the you know, health services 
because of that uh, of that scan. So these days we are going the not us, but the clinical guidelines are suggesting that you should be going towards a clinical assessment rather than using uh, using a scan. Thank you. And you recently published an editorial piece in the British Journal of um, Sports Medicine just last month yes. exactly about this and it was entitled um, something around um, changing the, the narrative around uh, osteoarthritis of the knee and that was really um, to empower clinicians to change the way that we communicate about osteoarthritis of the knee and also yes. patients that are of course the most important person in, in that healthcare journey. Uh, you did yes. mention in the article that it's really important to uh, consider OANE as a whole person condition rather than a single joint condition. Could you expand on what you meant by that, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what we mean by that is to say that knee-away and especially a person's pain experience is much more than just a joint. Uh, and that's because what we know these days is that a person pain experience can be influenced by their individual context, by their lifestyle, by their stage in their life. So by several factors that are beyond the joint. So basically, if we are looking at a person's health in terms of, um, of their social circumstances, in, in terms of their um, uh, biology, in terms of their structure, their physical conditioning, uh, and their lifestyle choices, all those factors can come to play to influence a person's uh, pain experience. So in the past, we tended to look at, uh, at knee osteoarthritis as being a problem solely of the joint. And it's still a common belief that patients and many clinicians uh, will see that pain that comes from the, uh, or people presenting with pain, people with knee-away that present with pain, that is directly related to the level of damage in their joints. And what contemporary evidence tells us is that uh, there is much more that can lead to someone experiencing pain than just the structure. Okay, so um, there's been some conversation recently um, around in, in the literature um, around the difference between uh, pain as a perception and pain as a sensation and the thought process that, well, um, inflammation, for instance, is a biological process and that that cannot be altered by cognitive processes um, and, and um, trying to have the brain influence a biological process. Can, can you expand on that? Sure. So I think for... You know, if we think of this to the consumers, uh, the, the biopsychosocial view on pain, uh, it's basically telling us that we are looking at more than just the biology. So if we break down the word and we look at the biological aspect of, of, this, of this view, we are talking about inflammatory process, processes, as you rightly said, uh, the structure of the joint, uh, your muscle um, conditioning and size and strength. Um, if you have any, um, you know, your levels of physical activity, uh, your body weight, uh, and and the presence of other inflammatory markers in your system. So, all those factors and and others will um, will basically comprise this biological aspect. But we also have a psychological aspect, which is you know how confident you are in using your body how worried you are about your body, what is your stress levels. And one of the, of the um, 
uh, of the side effects of, of stress or one of the physiological consequences of having especially uh, chronic stress is a, it's an inflammatory one. So uh, there is a physiological change in the body when uh, someone is going through um, stressful periods or someone that carries stress uh, uh, in their life. Uh, and you can imagine that if you have a, a, a knee condition that is painful and it stops you from uh, doing the things that you love, potentially that could be socializing, being physically active and working or even being able to be mobile, you know, things that we take for granted, um, that would cause you a level of worry, especially if you feel that there's nothing you can do about that condition. Uh, so a byproduct of that is a physiological response. And then we have the social aspect, which is, you know, are you participating at work? Are you isolated or are you living in a place where you can communicate with others and you're going out and doing the things that you love? Um, and in that, in that regard, these things also affect the physiology of, of our body. You know, these days we know that something like social isolation can lead to significant changes in the chemistry of your, of your body. And in addition to that, we have lifestyle factors and choices such as, you know, your sleep quality, your diet, uh, your levels of physical activity of, you know, underdoing or overdoing. So when we look at this biopsychosocial view, we look at this intertwined relationship of all these factors and how they can play or interplay um, to alter the chemistry of the body and alter the physiology of the body and alter someone's pain experience. So things such as, you know, sleep, stress, physical activity levels, and, you know, your, um, your body weight, they can definitely influence inflammatory processes. You know, there's a couple of studies that came out um, in the last couple of years looking at, uh, you know, what is the underlying um, factor across many comorbid conditions. And these conditions would be cardiovascular disease, uh, mental health disease, um, uh, musculoskeletal disease such as osteoarthritis and, uh, you know, things such as Crohn's disease and, and diabetes. So all of those have an underpinning process of an inflammatory response. Mm -hmm. So inflammation seems to uh, be underlying across all these different comorbidities. And, you know, as you, as you know, uh, many of our patients that develop uh, knee osteoarthritis, they have other comorbidities that, uh, that play a role in, in their life. Um, so we are seeing this, uh, this whole person response. Uh, and, you know, when you look at, um, at how one understands about their problem, that can definitely influence uh, your actions and, and the things you do uh, and how you're going to use your body in response to that. So if I could, if I could give you an example, um, you know, let's say I develop pain in my knee uh, and I'm, you know, I'm 45 or I'm 50 years old and I have functional limitation and I got an x-ray and the doctor told me that my, you know, to, to make things simple, he told me, look, it's just a bit of wear and tear that's normal, but your joint is degenerating uh, and, you know, you've got to be careful, otherwise you end up needing a knee replacement. So basically the, the message that is instilled in that, in that conversation is that it's a, it's, a, it's a process that there's nothing, not much I can do about. It's a de degeneration that is happening and there's nothing I can do about it. And I need to be careful. And the more I load the joint, the more I use it, the more degeneration I would cause. 
So immediately you can see that a person would have a sensible response not to use the leg because they're thinking that if they use the leg, they're actually causing more, more stress on the joint and that can be problematic. Therefore, exercise may not be the right thing to do. So you can see that how one understands their condition and the beliefs that drive that can drive their behavior. So they may, may become less socially active, they may become less physically active in order to preserve that joint. That, because otherwise, the only solution is to have a joint replacement. So that whole person approach, as you can see, can, can influence several levels of that, uh, of that person. Now, the, the, the contrary is also true because... So that draws to an end the first of this three-part mini-series. We just heard JP describe a really common but ultimately unhelpful response to a diagnosis of osteoarthritis that can lead to less function and more pain over time. Next week, you'll hear JP discuss a more evidence-based and helpful response to the same diagnosis, plus much, much more. We know it's easy to get information overload when learning a new, about a new topic, so we thought we'd keep these episodes a bit shorter to allow you to reflect on some key learning points. You'll notice there's a fair bit of overlap with previous episodes, which we think is a good thing, especially if it's new information and contrasts to belief that you may have had for many, many years. My take-homes were... Arthritis is a whole person condition, not just related to the joint. Imaging findings in isolation aren't that useful in diagnosing osteoarthritis. Imaging findings are poorly related to pain and can result in unnecessary escalation of healthcare interventions. And that there's so much that individuals with osteoarthritis can do themselves to improve their pain, function and ultimately their quality of life. Sometimes you just need the help of the right coach. What did you take out of the episode? We'd love to hear your take-homes, and you can contact us via Twitter. As always, show notes can be found at www.bodylogic.physio forward slash podcast. Next week, we welcome back Jennifer to bring you part two of the conversation. But until then, we hope you have a fun week, and remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage? Please note, what you heard on this episode of Empowered Beyond Pain is strictly for information purposes only and does not substitute individualised care from a trusted and licensed health professional. If you would like individualised, high-value care for your pain, sports or pelvic health problem, head to the BodyLogic website and make an appointment. Theme music generously provided by Fervin and Cash. <laughs>